Insights Episode 7. So we're switching things up a little bit today and we have a trifecta of insights coming in. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I wanted to start things off by introducing the topic. So obviously we're going to be discussing what to expect when changing from traditional SDR methods today. Yep. We'll go into the five key topics that you've kindly outlined, Joe, but I wanted to understand initially, Jack, from your perspective. Mm -hmm. So over the last 20 months at Curdos, you've had to endure huge changes. Yeah. Um, So yeah, how how hard has it been to kind of adapt to those changes? Um, So... At first it was because, uh, so background-wise, being from like a huge, hugely telemarketing background, mm-hmm. um, where it is, where sort of Joe's touched on in previous episodes, the whole loads of dials, throwing as much at a wall, hoping something sticks sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite difficult at first where it was like, Joe, Malcolm, oh, I've made so many calls today um, and I've got you this appointment they're willing to grow it's like oh okay that's like at first that was like great in my mindset because mm. I was booking X amount of opportunities a week which I thought were great which were then like well, no we need to do this. this is where we then go further and get granular mm-hmm. on what we need to do so yeah it was a learning curve but um, it was one that's needed and one that I think I've took on quite well mm. people make say different but no, I think sure. I, I think I adapted it quite well um, so yeah it's mixed sort of focuses on that no it's interesting in terms of that adaptation you mentioned then you referenced like initially you go and you say oh they're looking to grow they're looking at this they're looking at that and then potentially you'd be told look great opportunity great work Jack but it's not quite at the stage that we deem ready yet or sales ready so at that time when you've come from that background how did that make you feel at the time um it was like, I don't want to say it was like like demoralising or like downputting or anything like that because you are working really hard. And you, you know, I think from my aspect is I'm very much like, this is what the business is going, this is where the business is going. Mm-hmm. Um, I will do all I can to help it get there as well. Um, so it was, I think my own mentality of like, okay, cool, like, yeah, I can take back feedback. So if you're sort of mature enough on that to then go, yeah, okay, cool. This is what I've done. This is where I need to go. Tell me how I need to get there or what do I need to do myself to get there? And then the training sessions come in and the understanding of, you know, what a sales ready or like genuine intent Mm -hmm. actually looks like rather than a tick box exercise Mm -hmm. where it's, yeah, we want to grow okay, brilliant. Who doesn't want to grow? Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) any business wants to grow, right? Like, and if you don't, you shouldn't really be in business. Um, But yeah, so it was just me going, okay, cool. Like I need to take that feedback on board Mm -hmm. and let's start the ball rolling and get there really. Yeah. It sounds like a really elite mindset to be transparent. And I guess the reason why I asked that question, how it felt initially is to then understand transition 20 months forward. What like, or how are you reaping the rewards of that transition that, that you've been through? Yeah, I, I think re, reaping the reward, reaping the rewards <laughs> is um, obviously with anything, it's growth and seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be human if I wouldn't say that there's like obviously the, the money element mm-hmm. of when, you know, everyone knows in sales sales commission incentivized so seeing those people come through that are like 
Okay, well, we spoke. For example, let's take one of my clients at the moment, um, which I'm really glad is my client as well because I've been there from Hmm. that initial phone call to we're not quite ready at the moment to, okay, cool, I'll call you back X time. And then it was uh, meeting with Joe to then propose, here's where we go. But because I had that relationship built with, Mm. with said client, he called me back to say, Jack, we're... I need another conversation with Joe because we're ready to go ahead now. Rather than, although Joe sent the proposal out and everything else, but I had that initial relationship, which then made me feel like, okay, I'm actually quite important to this. Mm. To then come on board and then be like sort of managing that that client as well um, gives me a sense of responsibility, which is fantastic, aside from the generating new opportunities. Mm. Um, so seeing that growth process is almost more enjoyable and better to me than like the money incentives and things like that because you can see something grow and when you get that opportunity in you can see them grow as well and then Mm -hmm. it realizes what we do is you know making sense how often does that happen as well where well actually I should be annoyed at myself for not being the person that they came back to because I didn't get the proposal right but actually it shows that what we're doing at that early stage is building trust at this early stage. Yeah. And, and obviously, Jack did take a while to get there. There's no secret. And that's why we're here today, because to, to really demonstrate that, uh, I guess, what to expect mm-hmm. when you're making these changes, because even now we're still doing a lot. But yeah, I mean, credit. You know, if someone's gone past me and gone back to mm. the original place because he remembers Jack. Um, I identified that they weren't quite ready. Mm-hmm. And this was an early stage appointment when Jack yeah. was in that traditional mindset, I guess. Um, but they naturally went back to Jack. I think that's also a testament, and we're going to come on to it a little bit later on, about allowing your SDRs or your business development representatives or whoever they are to be part of that proposal conversation as well and to be present in those meetings. So mm. I think the fact that he's gone back to Jack is maybe also in alignment with the fact that you involved him in those yeah. meetings as well, which which is huge uh, for the Kurdos brand as well. And that's something that, that we'll come on to within yep. kind of the, those five pillars. Sure. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of hearing that from, from the horse's mouth, so to speak? So we've been speaking, obviously, over the last six episodes and you've been painting the, the great and the real picture of mm. like the Kurdos ethos, but then hearing it from Jack, it must be special. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I hope Jack's happy. I, I get feedback all the time. Um, but, you know, it took kind of five big steps, which we are covering off today, to really get Jack into that state where he's enjoying it, where he's enjoying the conversations. He loves the fact that people come back to him. The development that he has, he's had to go through, the changing and understanding of what sells, you know. And, um, and it takes a lot of patience, mm. you know. And not everyone can do it. Like, not everyone can make and adapt that change. I still have it now when I'm interviewing people as well, which is, you know, um, and people have really got to get to grips with this change and understand it's not going to be easy. Yeah. You've given me a assist there on on. Uh, on patience. So that is one of the five <laughs> pillars, um, five points that we're going to discuss today. So just to reel them off, so it's patience, cadences, development, understanding what sells, and then multi-channel methods. Yep. So to jump into patience first, I wanted to come to you initially, Jack, and to yeah. understand 
And I guess this question's kind of moulded from my background. So when I was on the phone, a lot of the buzz that I received in potentially what can be not the most exciting job in the world in some circumstances, a lot of the buzz that I would get would be from booking those appointments. You get there and you put the number on the board and you're, you're buzzing this, that, and the other. Exactly, that sort of thing. So I wondered like how you dealt with missing out on on that buzz initially from, from the transitioning methods? Yeah, I mean, it, at first it, it was difficult because I'm a very, um, those that know me on for a work level or a personal level as mm. well, will know that I'm very, like, I need to be around people. Like, I love that, you know, that, that buzz of an office sort mm-hmm. of mentality. Um, so, yeah, when you are putting those numbers on the board and you're getting that, you know, well done, yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah. get another one. That instant gratification. Yeah, uh, it is hard to come away from. But then if you have the vision for longer term and you can almost sort of see past that, mm-hmm. it then becomes slightly easier, if, if that makes sense. Um, How hard is it to have like, that mentality? <clears throat> um, for me, it... it it was a change, but it's always been a bit of a mentality that I've had. I've always mm. looked ahead at what I'm what I'm doing and how I'm sort of doing it. But it come down to a couple of one to one sessions with Joe, with Malcolm, uh, with Mitz as well in the business um, of really going, okay, like you need to look past this. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it got there, and now I can go. Not only am I, I'm not putting numbers up on the board, mm. but I've had a phenomenal conversation and. To me, if I get off the phone with someone and then I, I my LinkedIn pings mm-hmm. and that person's connected with me, that's almost my number on the board. Yeah. Like, although it's not number on the board in front of everyone else and the mm-hmm. bell's ringing, like, I know in my mind, like, okay, you wait, Joe Bloggs, mm-hmm. he's going to be a number on the board and he's going to be a big number on the board. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's looking at the longer game. Um, I think also to, to kind of jump in there, mm. Jack liked being top guy like many of us Jack liked being out there as like you know uh, winning awards top performer and stuff Mm -hmm. and you know the confusion on his face when I originally said to him you know like I don't want you to focus on certain areas and certain KPIs he was quite shocked Um, and it did take a lot of patience for Jack because actually you start to sit there and go oh I'm not getting anywhere with these opportunities yet but then it took six months really for jack to then start to see oh okay now these people are coming back to me Mm. and that's like well okay now he's starting to see the value in this and then he then starts to become an advocate of it Mm -hmm. and i think that's the difference that jack really had to be patient and and he was one of these people that was from that high volume key account Mm -hmm. um, you know campaigns that he was working on previously which was like you know two a day to five a day um, down to one a week which is can be quite demoralising but patience is the biggest thing and understanding why you need to be because in the long run we go back to the old things that we're talking about you don't piss off your sales guy you don't piss off your sales team or anything and your conversions are ridiculous and that's that's what's important from your perspective as ceo so mm-hmm. let's say for sake of example you have a young jack come into the business he's yep. come from having five appointments booked a day demos yep. whatever they might be and he comes to you after a week of not booking anything and says look joe i'm feeling really down like mm-hmm. this is what i'm used to this is what i'm experiencing i feel like i'm not making any progress 
how do you galvanise and, and motivate him in, in that situation? Digest and reflect. I think as well, like, I don't mean just reflect as in you tell me what's happened. Let's get granular. Let's look at the type of people that you've been speaking with, the size of businesses. How many of you directed through to our LinkedIn pages, which is one of the cadences, which we'll come on to shortly. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of them have followed that page? How many of them have actually responded to you in the right way? how many of them are probably a potential prospect for the future? And actually that data nurturing side of things is so important to recognise. People don't realise the the impact of burning data, Mm. which we covered off, Um, but also people don't realise actually the impact of building momentum in data. And even just from a tiering system like we spoke about before and understanding the size of your audience and how much of it's still active. Mm -hmm. Because, what you know, the question I always ask is a thousand records, how many of them convert? How many of them are still in nurture stage? How many of them are not interested? Mm. There's no one in our database that is not interested other than, you know, the occasional uptight person. But the majority of the data is still active. Mm -hmm. And how many people can say, well, actually, let me flip that. I spoke to a company the other day and they were like, oh, this telemarketer, 500 records, burnt it to death Mm -hmm. and just dialed it to death. And I'm like, Jesus, 500 people, you've just completely... Like now saying, no, they've been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's valuable data, mm-hmm. especially if they fit your ideal client profile and, you, and someone's actually gone through and identified the businesses within the original 3,000 and there's 500 they can work with. Well, that's a lot of investment of time, mm-hmm. a lot of due diligence, and now you're saying there's just no point in targeting them anymore, whereas ours is, I reckon, close to 3,000 just with Jack mm-hmm. that are active active nurtured relationships and mm. that's not just jack that's started with jack and that's now being nurtured in our in our ecosystem i think oh. it's like um it's knowing as well like you, you you say about burning records and saying that people aren't aren't are not interested mm. it's yeah okay they're not interested now exactly like i i think where we've come away from that like like Joe, Joe said about that five five a day sort of mentality. Yeah, I, I was a top performer in previous campaigns and things, and it was demoralising to to go. I'm, I haven't booked anything. Mm. Like, what the hell? You, you know, what on earth? Mm. And we had that conversation, and it's it's tough to go to to go to your boss and your friend mm. to say, I'm not doing this right. Mm. But then. Like Joe says, when you when you analyse it and you, you actually look into it, like you're not, you you may think you're not doing it right, but you are doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. It but it's it's understanding that yeah, you're not interested now, yeah. and they are still active, moving through, and then mm. they'll come back in the pipeline. Yeah, it's not even not necessarily not interested. It's lack of interest at that moment in time and yeah. understanding what the lack of is and therefore how do we approach it moving forward. There's no pain, mm. is there? Like, if there's no pain, there's no solution, mm. right? So actually, <laughs> it, it's not even not interested in my eyes. Okay, you don't have that pain right now. Don't mm. worry, we'll, we'll speak to you when you do. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to tie up, Patience, maybe hand this over to you, Joe. How, how would you like to, to summarise that that point yeah, before we move into cadences? I think being patient in having to build momentum in your audience first yeah. and then build relationships where people end up respecting you that end up coming back to you. Jack's evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the, the, the client he was referring to, I guess, was 
CHD. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, I know that because I get granular reports, but he's they're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many. Um, and we, I mean, we're speaking to a couple right now who, you know, have come back to us now. They're ready. And they originally spoke to, well, actually, they originally spoke to me directly through a referral. It's still following our content in our ecosystem, our touch points with them every now and then. I don't even make a call to them at the moment because, <laughs> but then they messaged me saying, hey, Joe, I think I'm ready. And that's because of our content as well. So, yeah, yeah like b- b- patience, it will happen. Focus on building relationships. These people will come back to you. But yeah. Agreed. Really good uh, topic, actually. I enjoyed that. So uh, thank you both for your in-depth answers. So um, cadences, mm-hmm. what are they? Typical cadence of an SDR, get a thousand records, cold call through it, no answer, call back. Uh, call back arranged, different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, call back wasn't in office. Call again, might send some information, um, book an appointment. Mm. You know, these types of th- steps that are in place um aren't cadences to me um they're just more kind of steps or average steps what it would take where you look you can relate to this um we were just making lots and lots of calls Mm. and it was kind of like five and dive so if we haven't reached someone five times we dive off the record class it is not interested before it becomes a harassment lawsuit Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and um yeah it's damaging demoralizing repetitive and boring now we create effective cadences, whether that's for our audience or for, sorry, for our, for ourselves mm-hmm. here at Curdos or for our clients. Each each of our team have cadences. Yeah. Um, what do they look like? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I could probably give you a different view of that version. Um, day one could be just simply a profile view and liking and engaging, but not even connecting, not even following. It could be just simply letting them know I'm viewing you. Um, Day two could be view profile and just follow that individual just so you kind of, you get notifications coming through of that person. You can set notifications on certain people as well Mm -hmm. to know when they've been active. Um, Day four, so leaving it a couple of days, you could view their profile again, but look for something relevant to reference now, at this point, you could send a personalised reference, uh, personalised re- message to reference, mm-hmm. um, or if they're inactive but they fit the bill, that might be a stage where you decide to cold call instead yeah. and say, "Look, I've been actually, you know, looking into you, looking into your business, and we're working with similar companies. You know, making that approach relevant, um, but I just want to identify." where you guys are at, Mm -hmm. and that cold call there just could be the start of that relationship build. Now, your cadences could go off track at that point if you've reached them, right? Mm. And there's almost knowing what them cadences are if you do end up speaking to them. Mm -hmm. But if we're continuing and we haven't reached them and we're continuing, we could then engage with their profile again on day six, which is a couple of days after that. Mm -hmm. Look at alternatives in the business as well of individuals. Engage with them. Uh, You might decide to send a follow-up. Uh, you might then decide off the follow-up to cold call in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. A couple of days later, you might then send a personalised email. These are all different variations of a cadence um, that involve being smart mm-hmm. and not the same as everyone else. People do it to me occasionally very well. Majority of the time, they do it pretty bad, and that's why we're talking about it. But, yeah. It sounds like one thing that I've taken from that is that you value the importance of having like a specific 
I guess, method to reach people, but at the same time, you don't undervalue the opportunity to be malleable in your approach. And if it's the right time, actually push forward. Don't don't lag behind because you've got this stringent focus. So it's about understanding that it's not one fit one size fits all for each each opportunity. Absolutely. But if it's from cold data stage, have cadences. Yeah. I mean, I was speaking about this the other day, actually, with, I can't even remember who I was speaking about. I spoke about it on my LinkedIn live training mm. session. And I said the, the, the top SDRs out there would have anywhere between kind of seven to 15, possibly even 16 cadences mm-hmm. um, before booking in a meeting. And, it, and we keep referring to sales staff. This is what their system does, is that it allows you to create cadences on individual records. Mm. And it's very, very good. Um, but they, they do it themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are promoting a solution that does that, but they are also doing that themselves where they don't come across as cold. It mm-hmm. doesn't come across as like there's a lack of effort or research. You may include in there actually in that cadence, which probably would have been good to mention, desk-based research. Mm-hmm. That could literally be a stage for you to really understand that business before you engage with them. That keeps the momentum in that data. Um, but yeah, majority of businesses won't even have a base yeah. for a cadence. It will be make 22 calls an hour to mm-hmm. a list of data and we'll cascade a spammy email out or something. Mm. And Jack, how much input do you have in, in these cadences? So depending on who, who they like client-wise um, and then the sort of generating new prospects mm-hmm. for for Kurdos. So the Kurdos side of it, I, I pretty much have free range to do my own, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, but also under the guidance as well. So obviously it's it's not a free range of oh, sure. I'm just gonna do do whatever. Like it's understanding like the like importance of them as well. So for example, there's someone in my network who has um, a day of the week where this person will post on LinkedIn about Marmite. Okay, right? So th- this is how he, he's obviously relevant within his network. It's just a bit of fun for him to do. He clearly loves Marmite. Nice. But I've spoken to him a couple of times through LinkedIn, on the phone, um, and... We're relevant to each other, but Mm -hmm. one of my cadences and touch bases was I was out shopping in, I can't remember where I was, but my other half picked up these cheese things that were Marmite, and I was like, oh, I'll take a photo of that, and I sent it to him. Mm. And I was like, I just picked up these, not too sure if you've come across them yet. And he was like, oh, I actually haven't. Like, cheers for that. And then he went and bought them, messaged me, and said, Jack, they're really nice. Like, cheers for that one. And, like, as silly as that sounds, mm. like, that is a touch base. Yeah. And I'm probably more relevant to him than Joe Bloggs just picking up the phone and dialing. Absolutely. Like, so, obviously, I'm not going to send everyone photos of Marmite things. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <I hope> <laughs> no. But having that touch base and knowing, okay, like, cool, we've not actually spoken yet, but... I follow Joe Bloggs. I'm mm. I'm engaging with what he's he's posting about, or also what the business is posting about. I, I noticed that the business won an award, and he's part of that group mm-hmm. or that that department that won the award. Like I'll just drop him, drop a message. Congratulations on the award. Nothing else. Yeah. Like nothing else at all. But it's 
being relevant and you're then staying in their mind. Yeah. So when you do pick up that phone call, it's, I know who you are. You're mm. the Marmite guy mm. or you're the guy that, that said thank you for the award. Like, it, it's being relevant and, mm. and that's, I think... In the know. Yeah. I think as well you can go further than that. You know, um, f- follows on Twitter from your personal account, engaging with it because a lot of people are actually more active on Twitter depending mm-hmm. on your targeting. Commenting, posting about them, sharing their content, and we have even some cases where Instagram's involved. <laughs> so not from a personal perspective, but even their business account. Mm-hmm. So just we're constantly staying in the, the mindset of loads of people. Um, and we have prospected via um, Instagram as well for a client, which was very successful, actually. Um, but yeah, it's just thinking outside the box with these cadences, mm. you know. And, and that may even be... Um, I think Adam Weeks is a good example uh, from Big Tin Can. He posted the other day, so he bought some a company's merchandise, mm-hmm. and then posted a photo of him in his this merchandise, saying, um, "You know, as you can see, and then tagged the, the decision maker. I've been wanting to get a meeting with you for so long to stop me from getting a refund. <laughs> Will you book a, a twenty minute meeting room with me?" And uh, and he's like, and I hope I hope everyone likes it. I mean, his engagement was like, yeah, like I'm sure fifty thousand views or something stupid in the really? end. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so it's being inventive, essentially. Yeah, and look, and that was a cadence for him. He's like, think he had like a think outside the box with this prospect, mm-hmm. and this was like the enterprise level mm-hmm. tier category, tier one, someday companies to work with that he knows that he would get very good reward from and he's not an SDR but he, that's that's in his cadence yeah. to almost think outside the box and be different um, because if someone's not replying to your message three or four times you know they're probably just bombarded mm-hmm. and not willing to listen like so yeah add that in your cadence very interesting you'll very be very skinned if you use that for everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah perhaps not perhaps not the mom might, might be a bit more sustainable who knows but uh... No, it's really good. I think it's all about, like you say, thinking outside the box, but also just remaining in that mindset. So some really good points there and another enjoyable one. Um, I mean, so to transition onto development, self-development, I wanted to come to you first, Jack, and just to kind of ask an open question and to understand how long have you been doing telemarketing, new business generation, whatever you want to brand it? Four years? Four? Yeah, four years. It, it, it just seems like forever. Um, <laughs> to be fair, um, but yeah, it's about about, about four about years, four give years. or take. Okay. Um, so yeah, and it literally started as a um, stepping stone. Mm. Um, previous experience was in the military. Yeah. Like left to spend time with the family. Mm. Um, needed a job straight away. And ended it. up ended yeah. up getting one. Turned out I was. Pretty, without blowing my own horn, I'm pretty good on the phone. Yeah. Worked my way up, and, yeah. and so, so, and then I found the enjoyment in it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. So, yeah, about about four about years, four give years. or take. I'm glad you said you're, you're pretty good at it. Actually, so that's kind of falling into my line of questioning. So, I wanted to understand, as someone who's been doing it for a substantial amount of time, and someone who is pretty good at it and thinks they're pretty good at it. How hard is it for you to accept and to invest in self-development sometimes when at the back of your mind you've got, I'm great at this? Uh, I think at first it, was, it it comes back to what we said earlier about the the change in that sort of mentality mm-hmm. and and being that 
top guy um, to then reducing that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, at first it was quite difficult, but then the understanding of, like, why development is important. I mean, I've always been quite hot on, like, I need to develop in a area, mm-hmm. maybe not as much as others that I know that are, like, on it, everything, for example, love love massively on development. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so it, at first it was quite, like, okay, I, um, I don't know what to do, but mm. I'm already good at it. Like, if you're not seeing how many phone calls I'm making today. Like... But yeah, when it got there, it was understanding the importance mm. of it and knowing the right development to have for you as well. Everyone develops in different areas. Everyone needs it in different areas mm. as well. Picking the right sort of bits that I know other people are developing on. Oh, I could do it. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I could do that as well. And then reaching out to the right people has helped me come a long way. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask actually, so it falls in alignment. What, what are your methods of self-development? Um so pretty pretty much i i just sort of understand i try and understand myself okay like what am i doing at the moment where do i need to be what what do i need to do to get there Mm. which is similar to like what we talk to our you know on the phone with businesses where are you looking to go how are you looking to get there Mm -hmm. just use it on yourself like i need to be doing more of x and less of y Mm. okay brilliant who do i know that's really good X that may not be someone in your direct circle, but Joe may go. Oh, you speak to Joe Blogs because he's really good at this. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant, and I can take that. And I earwig a lot um, as being an ex chef and mm. seeing people come through the counter. You you listen a lot to sure. everyone, and being on the phone, you listen a lot. Absolutely. So. I pick that up from a lot of people and what a lot of people were developing themselves onto and not becoming like a copycat of someone else, but almost like your own version of that and just picking, this is where I'll go, this is what I'll do. Mm. And then go, okay, well, how can I go further? Right. And all, never being, uh, never being... Stagnant. Yeah. And I saw a video not long ago that was about uh, practising and everyone years have always said practice and practice will become perfect. Mm. Well, no practice and practice makes better it's a video on instagram or tiktok or whatever but it then sat and was like yeah it does just make better you'll never be perfect and you'll never be the best of the best because someone would always be there coming forwards as well and chasing you down so to speak mm. and so yeah it's about finding that that sort of bit i'm pretty sure i rambled on a little no, bit no, it's really, really like it, it's there, there's a lot into it and different people different methods yeah, 100%. It's a really great answer. And I think that it's interesting you mentioned about practice. Like a lot of people say different things. Like I've always been taught that practice is permanent. So obviously you have the ability to practice the wrong things and therefore that will become permanent. And then it's really hard to get out of those methods. So mm. it's important to actually ensure that you're practicing the right thing yeah. to then make sure you're getting better at the right thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, Joe, so from a business owner's perspective, mm-hmm. obviously it benefits you having staff yeah. that are constantly upgrading their skill sets. Yeah. How do you enforce self-development or, or maybe push people towards it? I'm very goal-driven, passionate about goals. And I think I do focus on on a lot with the team on this. Um, I'm quite, I don't mind questioning someone, you know, I, we talk about the, the whole gym thing mm. in January. And like I said, some something like, 
99% of people who join a gym in January will be gone in six weeks or something. True. And it's so true. And I think I always used to I do this thing back in like September, October, November, where I'm saying, don't wait for the new year. Mm. Um, set your goals now. And a lot of people do that because it's nice to say it's a resolution. But actually, how many of your resolutions have you like fulfilled over the last few years? And actually, what I get, get my guys to do is to do personal development sessions away from work. Um, but at the same time, we don't talk about work necessarily. It's more about what they can do in work to impact that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I'll challenge them. I will challenge them because actually I'm, I'm kind of a no bullshit guy actually. So mm-hmm. if someone's told me something, I'd be like, no, you don't. Like, and they're like, no, I'd, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say five grand. I'm like, no, you're not. I was like, uh, and they're like, they don't know what to say. But mm-hmm. then when we get granular into it, I'm like, well, you're not tracking it. You're not monitoring it. And I think this is the thing that I'll work in their kind of personal growth to make sure that it impacts them yeah, here yeah. and be more willing to, to learn in here as well. Um, going on to development in that role, though, mm-hmm. um, I like to get away from this core structure. Mm-hmm. If, if we go back to just focusing on SDR and you know, BDRs here, you know, it's extremely hard to get away from it. We analyze calls and and I can, it's funny because you can hear this telemarketing voice and this, and then they're almost kind of like setting up in stages, almost in a cadence, mm. um, the questions they need to ask before booking an appointment where actually I'm trying to get them to think, well, let's think differently and try and develop yourself to just listen and question on their response mm-hmm. and almost target yourself there. And I feel that's been really helping with development, but yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I think I like, I really like the approach of no bullshit. Just, yeah. And sometimes it's the most powerful as well. Cause it actually gets that person thinking and thinking, Oh, maybe I am lying to myself actually. And, yeah. and kind of reevaluating that and, and actually putting a plan in place to achieve those things that you mentioned. The best one is when you've all analyzed a call together and then there's an excuse from from the SDR. And I'm not referring to Jack. I'm just in general, in the early stages of Jack, this, this did used to happen. Mm-hmm. We'd listen to a call and I'm like, like we, I would ask him, what is his thoughts on that particular bit? And he's like, and it's like, and that's true. Mm. Um, Jack's now going, okay, yeah, I think I didn't do this. And then I'd then also input off the back of that and now there wouldn't be a challenge from Jack mm-hmm. where actually, you know, I get it from my mentors or and they challenge me. And it's learning to be able to be willing to develop because what if it's not working, what's the harm in trying something else, mm-hmm. right? What's the harm in just going, okay, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, I used to all the time with with certain people. and But, yeah, definitely feel that that's probably worth looking at. Yeah, I would agree. And I feel like it leads to a great end of, of that specific point. So to, to move into understanding what sells, I think from, from my background, the best understanding of what sells came from probably feedback and also shadowing meetings. And this is referring to before I went into that sales position. Um, so, I mean, just to open it out to you, Jack, how, how do you feel has best impacted your understanding of what sells within your role? Um. I feel like it's it is a combination of a lot of things and understanding 
like that need. Mm. Um, so when you when you're talking to someone, it, it, it's not a factor of like Joe said, like some calls will have them cadences mm-hmm. where it's tick box exercise. Oh, let's get the appointment in. Mm. It's it's understanding like okay, you know why do you need this? Mm. Like and, and once you get that understanding, you can then go like this is what actually sells it is the mm. fact that you're building out those relationships like you can I can have phone calls with businesses and not even say what Kurdos do in great depth mm. and it, like they can still go oh like I'd, I'd like I'd like to know more mm. like rather than here's what we do here's what we do like mm. that doesn't sell like and the the old thing is people say that like people buy from people right mm. like mm. it's having that sort of human ability rather than the robotic how are you today do you want to buy this of course it's understanding that and I think if you get that understanding it then sort of all falls into place if that makes sense yeah no it makes it makes complete sense and I guess the understanding is is the really key bit here and it's about how do you get that understanding which is kind of what I was referencing with regards to feedback and shadow meetings so I guess Maybe to hand this over to you, Joe, how do you ensure that like your SDRs have a good understanding of what sells Kurdos? Mm-hmm. Um, I provide them all of my recommendation videos. Um, they have access to them. Um, I would even sometimes do example calls with like another member of the team in ops, for mm-hmm. example, like Satbear we did one the other day. Um, but I do think it's important to get your team to shadow these meetings, yeah. shadow proposal writing, talk through these opportunities after they happen, almost imminently after as well. So it's fresh in the brain. Um, I used to do this quite a lot with when we worked together um, with my team. I used to try and provide them feedback, mm. but there was almost this kind of pushback where they didn't want the feedback. Mm. Or Why? I think it's just almost because they feel like I'm probably questioning their ability. And that was uh, honest reflection. That was nothing to do with my approach. My approach was to just try and work with them. But because that's historically for 12 years, it's never been the case where they've had that relationship Mm. or that uh, ability to approach each other and be able to take on feedback. I mean, let's be honest. It was the same pitch every day Mm. for, for, for however many years it went on for. And it worked for some, it didn't work for others, but conversion rates were never great. But I think the thing is, is that with Jack, it's like really understanding why that wasn't a good opportunity mm. or why I'm never going to sell that opportunity allows Jack to then go, okay, so how do I pick up on that? And then we then work together to make sure that we're asking an extra question mm-hmm. or um, the ability to identify when he can I asked that question. I think that's really important because getting getting feedback on these call recordings as well. I've had a couple from the guys lately where I actually because I just felt like one or two of the opportunities that were coming through, maybe there wasn't something that they were quite grasping. Mm-hmm. Um, I identified with one of my team members that they were too structured in their call. Mm-hmm. Stepped away from it. The next meeting that I've had from them, fantastic. Um having that visibility of recommendations is always really important because in our recommendations, we're talking about why it's relevant to them Mm -hmm. and the pain points that we've identified and the reason why they need us. And I think that's really important for these guys to understand as well. So don't be afraid to, and don't shy away from that ability to 
kind of really link the teams a little bit more, allow, you know, USDRs to shadow meetings and shadow proposals and get visibility because mm. um, they will understand what sells. And when they understand what sells, your sales go mm-hmm. up, you know? I think within that answer, you kind of touched upon maybe some of like the constructive piece piece of criticism you give off the back of feedback. But mm. I think I'd like to understand from you, Jack, how do you feel when you get really positive feedback? There's nothing better, is there? Like when, you know, when you've arranged a meeting or done whatever and someone goes, more of that, please. Mm. Like th- there is no better feeling. Um, and that then makes you go- going back to what we were saying about putting the numbers on the board and, mm. you know, that encouragement to get another one that then gives you that. But now that you've, if you take that whole journey, you've now got that developmental of what is selling and what is actually needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not going to get it on the next call. Yeah. But, or you, you could do if mm-hmm. there's, if you're doing the right processes. Um, so yeah, I, I think like there's no better thing than having positive feedback, mm-hmm. but there's also no, like no harm in having negative feedback or constructive feedback and I think that people uh, um, people only really want to hear the good Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think more and more people need to hear the bad in you know what what happens yeah I I, I, can be honest about saying I think that I I stopped giving Jack feedback in the early stages yeah um, the positive, like, you know, for example, when it was more high volume starting to develop, I stopped giving him that because actually it blindsides you mm. and it makes it worse when then you're giving some constructive feedback. And maybe that's where teams struggle to then get their teams to develop. Mm. And it took a while for me to, and sometimes having a sit down conversation like me and Jack did and go like, mate, like, I don't ever want you to take this as negative but here's why I need you to make yeah. these changes. And I'll, I'll be positive and I'll give credit where it's due. Absolutely. But I would always kind of end it with, but let's not yeah. celebrate it until it's in. Mm. But good start, man. Mm. Like rather than, ah, oh, mate, I had a great meeting with your guys without even listening to his call mm. recording, for example, and then going, and then actually I'm reflecting on his call recording. I'm thinking, okay, maybe that was potluck. And this was early stages. I thought maybe actually I've then identified the need there, mm. whereas actually that could have been an opposite effect. So mm. I'll be honest, yeah, I, I stopped praising Jack in the same way yeah. and said, let's not celebrate until it's in. And maybe that momentum then allows Jack to be more effective as he is today. Yeah, I think it's about that balance, isn't it? Just uh, yeah. giving the, the pieces of positive where it's needed to keep that like momentum and um, that feeling high within the team, but also giving that, that constructive criticism slash feedback to, to upgrade them to, to yeah. a better position moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said, I think, within one of your answers, to be fair, Jack, you said, oh, it might not happen on the next call, it might not happen on this, but it might not happen on any method of communication, which leads us nicely into the last topic, which is multi-channel <laughs> methods. Um, so to open this out, a lot of people talk about, like, five touch points, seven touch points, whatever it might be. It's different for different people. But what are, what are your touch points? How many Kurdos touch points are there? I think it spread, spreads across the team, really. It doesn't just stick with Jack. Mm. But Jack has time and the ability to do more social engagement, posting, cold calling, attend the webinars to, to say, you know, 
when he's then engaging with people that might also have attended the webinar or he personally invited to the webinar, mm. um, he has a good understanding of what was spoken about going live, entering podcasts. He now has a bucket load of content he can now distribute and share because he's doing the engagement, which will only help his viewing. Mm. Um, you know, our Twitter, our Instagram engagement's getting better, which supports our SDRs. Um, so multi-channel methods is important. And I don't mean even just from a posting content perspective, I think from an SDR's mm-hmm. point of view, um, like we said about Twitter, mm. lots and lots of CEOs and MDs are on Twitter. Um, and if you if they're not very active on LinkedIn, check out their Twitter because they might be. Mm. Some of our clients are extremely active from their personal accounts to the point where they're then using that on other socials taking snippets of it etc so but that only helps with the sdr approach and Mm. i think a lot of people will think a spamming email a spamming message on linkedin and a cold call is the answer that's not multi-channel you're basically basically being quite one dimensional Mm. in your approach so we're talking about engagement you know, and that's sort of across all different types of social, you know, understanding what events they're turning up, go to that mm. event, you know, speak to their competitors, whatever you got to do. You know, yeah. there's different ways that you can really create that interest. Mm. Um, we had a fantastic response the other day on one of our client accounts um, who basically said they don't respond to anyone else. They've never responded to anyone in the last 12 or 18 months. I can't remember it was. How many months was it? No. Okay. Um, yeah, it was Yaz. Yaz, our social prospect, was using one of our guys' accounts, our clients' accounts, and, yeah, managed to get probably one of the best responses that we've seen in a while. Wow. Um, but that didn't just happen because of that that particular message. Sure. It was the, the lead up. Yeah. It was the engagement. It was the sharing of content. It was becoming, and that multi-channel way of really engaging with someone with the cold call coming up around, you know, around the side. It was mm. brilliant. And it was just demonstrated a clear understanding of why we need to not just restrict ourselves. And we keep going back to it. Companies are still stuck in that way where they're, you know, making hundreds of calls a day to a data list that they bombarded through an automated mm. marketing email system. And it's like, well, actually let the individual be multi-channel as well. Mm. And maybe section off time is really important. Don't restrict your team. Yeah, with that in mind, so let the individual be multi-channel. Um, so I think you've kind of talked about some of the results of being multi-channel there within that answer, Joe. But from your perspective, Jack, from like an enjoyment point of view, how much more enjoyable does it make your role being allowed to to utilise these various methods of, of prospecting? It gives me, like, freedom, and you're not... Um, so, like, previous, when it's, like, in elsewhere other than Kurdos, and it's been, oh, my sole job is to pick up the phone, mm. that's it, and it's want to make money, pick up the phone, start dialing, you pick up the phone, and you dial, pick up the phone, and it's like... Okay, well, this guy wants, wants, has asked me to message him on WhatsApp. Just pick up the phone and call him again. Like, but he's asked for this. Like, this, like, gives me the freedom to, to do not what I want, but I can, re- yeah, I can reach out to people however. And if they're like, oh, you know, um, drop me a message on WhatsApp. Here's my, my actual mobile number. I can do that from my number. 
Mm. And it, and you've got that there. You've got that more personalization, that relationship there. Not only that, with you know, I'm sure if someone was to turn around to me and go, oh, I do all my business through Instagram, drop me a message on there. Okay, cool. Like I can. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to my LinkedIn, I can post what I want. Like w- within reason, obviously. Lots of more. Yeah, um, but it's like I. It's not just got to be business either. It's not just got to be here. Here's my post about what we've done in Curdos. Of course, I do that anyway. But I'm really interested this year. Hobbies is a massive thing for me this year. Um, and start of this year, back in the last, I started wrestling. Mm. Like as a kid, everyone watched WWF mm. and that. And there's someone, someone close by that trains it. I started and did some training and whatever and I posted about it and I was like you know I'm keen to see what other people have got what other hobbies people are doing and some of them come back to me and they were like crazy I never even knew they were a hobby but that's engagement that you're Mm. getting with your audience and that's a method that you're connecting with people not just spammy yeah pick up the phone, pick up the phone. There's so many different ways to communicate. Yeah. And that's where cadences come in, right? Because mm-hmm. then you can cadence it, especially with our Middle East like stuff that we yeah. do. That's heavily reliant on WhatsApp. You mm. know? In fact, actually, majority of the communication that happens for a lot of our prospecting is on WhatsApp business accounts from like Middle East all the way to the APAC region. Mm. I worked with a company called UK Soul for probably about, I don't know, three years. And probably generated over over well over a million pounds worth of revenue in 14 new countries and um and yeah it was all done via whatsapp Mm. but there was other touch points and engagements i had some people through facebook sometimes i was voice noting people in fact the majority of the time i'm voice noting my middle east contacts um so yeah that's another way multi-channel video loom is a fantastic thing like and we, everyone's got access to it. So Jack could literally go, hey, you know, it's been a while since we spoke, you know, and send them a personalised loom. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack could voice note them. You know, you can't do it on a laptop at the moment, but you can do it from his phone. Mm-hmm. Or send a picture of Marmite crisps or something from, from the store, <laughs> whatever it was. But, yeah, like, it, it's just, just don't stick in this restricted way because you're... Imagine if you get the best offer ever, right? Mm. Someone sends you an email, <coughs> excuse me, to a festival you've been desperate to go to and they said, Laurie, I can get you the ticket for a fifth of the price mm-hmm. and you're in, you're literally going into a, a podcast and you're like, ah, that is banging. I am going to pick up the phone to that later, right? And then you've gone, oh, I'll come back to it later. Mm. And then you forget. Yeah. And, it, and actually at the bottom it says, you've got to come back to us within 24 hours. And you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> no. Right, but can you imagine if there was a cold call off the back of that in the afternoon, mm. or something? Look, I just want to check if you want to take advantage. I'm so glad you called. I completely forgot. Yeah, yeah. Or a webinar on something that you've been focused on and mm-hmm. you you wanted to go to and you completely forgot. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine that your client needs your services. That your, this prospect needs your services. You've sent them a message. You made the effort to build the relationship. They're going into a meeting. And you don't follow that up. Mm, you're lost. Or you just send them another message at another busy time and then they're still too busy to speak to you then, but you haven't tried any other methods. Imagine how much opportunity mm. you're lo- losing out on. I, I know loads of people who tell me, 
I don't like cold calls and I just don't take them. Mm. But they like personalised messaging. And actually, these people are just bombarding with calls and spamming emails. And actually, their, their emails, I'll go back to my email in a minute, mate, and it would be like 50 <laughs> new emails that I'm just never going to read. Mm. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, unless I get a call, I probably won't end up responding. Yeah. Very thought-provoking. And... Um... It seems like a really fitting time to, to kind of wrap things up yeah. from my perspective. I just want to express I've really enjoyed the dynamic. I think there have been some, some yeah, great topics. I appreciate your input, Jack, hugely knowledgeable and um, spoke really well. So thank you very much for, for sitting down with us. As, yeah, I've enjoyed it. But any, any last thoughts from, from either of you two? I just think um, it leads quite nicely on from the last one. Mm. So go back and watch the last one, subscribe. Sammy, I don't forget. Um, and, and you know, do understand why people need to make changes from the traditional methods and then underst- and then watch this one and really understand what it takes and what to expect because I think Jack's a clear example of someone that's really gone through that transition. It wasn't easy and, and Jack will be honest about that. Um, and, you know, I think it's good to network with other SDRs and BDRs. So feel free to message Jack I'm sure he'll network with you and share ideas and insights and yeah I think that's probably a good place to end really good any last thoughts Jack no I, I honestly think that that sort of wraps everything up that, that needed I mean I just the one thing I'd sort of say to people is that I don't I think that people shouldn't be afraid to to look at new avenues and we get stuck in our ways so easily and we then become like just sat there doing nothing like just look at other ways like there are so many out there as we we, we covered anyway mm. but yeah stepping out of that comfort zone mm. makes massive changes <laughs> <laughs>